Good morning, this is Cultivating Classroom Management. So today I wanna to talk about collaboration and classroom management and collaboration in general. So the question I throw out today is why in this day and age with team teaching, inquiry teams, IEP teams, faculty teams, why are teachers, leaders, and support personnel still having problems with collaboration? The second question I'm going to throw out is, what is consensus and is consensus worth it? So being a student of restorative justice, as it were, I continue to take workshops as I give workshops. There's a lot of work being done around consensus. And what is consensus? Consensus is not necessarily taking a vote, but it's when issues are put on the table systematically or ideas are put on the table and the group comes to an agreement. And the advantage of consensus is that truly it's a way to involve everybody in decision making and some of the best ideas come out out of the group and not from the top down. And it's a way to create equality in any kind of group. Of course, some of the disadvantages are that it's very, very time consuming, that there's a lot of discussion involved, that there has to be a lot of organization, and that everybody understands that even though there's more involvement, you don't always get your way. In consensus is never a hundred percent unless you're lucky to have a group that comes to a hundred percent so that's consensus and that works for it's harder in a big group it's easier in a small group it works for both type of situations and certainly it works when two people pair together but the greater question I have is what about collaboration and what about it is not happening in schools and how does this affect classroom management, school culture, behavior, etc. So I think back to a meeting I was at the other day and someone in the meeting, one of the alumni of my college where I teach, said something really brilliant. He said that new teachers can move the system if they learn to make allies and not many people know how to do that. And I thought about this as such a brilliant statement because this works for everybody on every level in terms of not only new teachers, but support personnel, leaders, and uh, teachers who are veteran teachers. Making allies doesn't necessarily mean that other people are wrong. It just means building bridges between people. And when I think back to my own experience as a teacher, it was very, very different because in those days when I entered the profession, you pretty much were in your own classroom and there was not team teaching in the beginning and certainly uh, everything came from the top down. The principals were very authoritarian. And yet I worked in a very family-oriented school in terms of it was a sense of community. It was a sense 
of a school that nobody ever wanted to leave. People retired out of there. I stayed there for 18 years. You always felt accepted. You were free to make mistakes. And yet the sophisticated expectation of collaboration was not developed yet in the system. Teachers were still in their own classroom as if they were in the little red schoolhouse. And so making allies was something that was sort of a survival thing to do. And you, you know, as a new teacher, you would turn to the veteran teacher for very tangible things like how do you take attendance or how do you manage so many papers and grading and things like that. But when I think back to it, it was a great way to make allies because who doesn't want to give advice to a new teacher? People love to give advice to a new teacher. And I think about today when people are formally assigned mentors and buddies and uh, they're formally assigned a team teacher to work with or paraprofessionals to work with and there's not a lot of this informal buddying going on or there is but it's still people are at this like unwritten competitive or this tense atmosphere and I think about the healthiest schools like the one that I started in and thank goodness I started in that school because I think my early experience really shaped me and If any advice I have for new teachers or somebody seeking a job, it's to find that kind of school where you can grow and learn and there's a community atmosphere. But if you're not in that kind of school, it is about a sort of finding your allies and thinking about who best to become allies with. Some people are just naturally outgoing as new teachers and they find connections and they connect and they make friends. But it's not just about that. It's about finding the right allies for the work that you want to do and finding the right team for the concepts that you want to convey within the work that you want to do. It's not just about going out to lunch or going to a bar with somebody. It's about doing the work together. So I'll go back to the first school where I worked, which was in part of New York City that is now a very chic part of New York City, but then it wasn't. And I think about how we worked together to build programs even before it was forced upon us and how that kind of work of making allies was about making programs that work for the kids that we had and meeting the kids where they were and doing the best that we could with very Uh, little top-down supervision and the leaders in the position gave us the room to do so. So I think about this from many positions. As a new teacher, I need to make allies for the work that I want to do. Not about personalities, but about the work. And as a new teacher, I also think about where I want my career to go. What do I stand for? Not just what do I stand for in terms of my career ladder, but what do I stand for in terms of my value system? What do I value as a teacher and what do I value for my students? Do I value equity? Do I value teaching hard, difficult concepts to kids and getting them to critically think and giving them the skills that they need 
prepping them for the work of career and college and just becoming um, curious learners? Or do I value only my own um, career and getting ahead? And And I say this because I think it's something to really think about and consider and think about in terms of the school that I want to work in and the atmosphere that I want to create. So creating allies is really an important thing to do. If you're a veteran teacher, it's the same thing, only it comes a little more naturally because if you're in the school, if you're in the system for a long time, you know the ins and outs, you know the pitfalls, you you see the reality. And yet the work in becoming a veteran teacher that grows and continues to grow is not becoming cynical. Yes, you can laugh and be sarcastic and joke around in the teacher's calf and with your spouse, your husband, your partner, but in in the end, it's about renewing and refreshing yourself. It's very hard to do near the um, middle or end of your career, especially in difficult situations where there are little resources, injustices, other people have gotten promotions, um, you've seen things happen, uh, you've seen a million programs come and go, but it's in the end it's all about the work that you do, the kids that you serve, the values that you stand for, why you came into the profession in the first place. And sometimes it's easy to lose sight of that when things are going cuckoo crazy. So um, what else about collaboration? Team teaching and coming up with strategies together to manage the classroom is difficult. And the work shouldn't be on one person. And often that's what, what happens when there are general ed and special ed together, usually the special ed teacher is thought of as the disciplinarian. And yes, we may have more techniques from graduate school, and yes, we may be more inclined to be good with discipline, but everybody has to share the load. Just like in teaching content, the special ed teacher shouldn't sit there and say, "Uh, uh, uh, I don't know math. It is their duty to learn the content. They may not be super detailed about understanding every nuance of calculus or chemistry or French literature or something that is not their specialty in graduate school, but it is up to them to continue to learn and grow and change and pick up the books before the kids listen to podcasts, get the information, go to workshops. In other words, the team should be not just role divided. That's easier said than done because even in our own personal lives, we tend to be role divided. You know, he does the dishes, I do the cooking. He does the lawn, I do the laundry. Uh, But in a classroom, we have to be ready to stand in and step in and share the roles. And this is true even in a school community. I've worked in many situations as a leader where I've been asked to take over somebody's role in summer in um, just because that person is doing something else or I've been asked to take over because just because the, the principal says so. And we have to do that with an end goal in mind because we can't be so divided 
but it's got to be done with constant communication. So to me, collaboration takes a lot of communication and it also takes a lot of caring. It's not just about what can I push off my plate or delegate. It's about what is the other person good at? What can they bring to the table? How clear are my communications when I collaborate? And I've learned a lot about this in my restorative groups because often when I take workshops, we are asked to collaborate with people we don't even know. So it, it's, it's like learning very quickly to equalize the playing field and be able to use the strengths and talents. Also use timers so no one person dominates. Put out ground rules so that there is an understanding about what we value as a group and what rules we have to put down and also being willing to be flexible. For example, my pet peeve always used to be people who were late. And I myself am very timely. But imagine if you work in anywhere and there's traffic, there's things that go wrong in your house, there's um, public transportation. And I am learning as um, a person who this has happened to because I'm a stickler for time. And yet at the same time, when somebody walks late into a group, I have to learn to tolerate it. So I have to learn to be flexible and responsive but to be very clear when something is unacceptable. And that is really, really tough because it means collaboration means also being able to communicate when something isn't going quite right. And I think that in team teaching or developing a discipline plan together, there's a lot of hidden resentment because often one person perceives they're doing more work than the other. And I think no matter how you communicate it, it has to come out. Because if it doesn't come out, then it comes out in a passive-aggressive way. Just like when I break up groups in graduate school, I observe very carefully who's doing all the work. And I communicate very clearly that it cannot be one person doing the work. And I sometimes even create a rubric around it. Because it's really not fair. And my own daughter has been in, in classes in college where, you know, she was just doing the work or one person was doing the work. And it's not only not fair, it's cheating everybody of the collaborative experience. So why is it still so hard to team teach and collaborate? I also believe that certain personalities just shouldn't work together. And I'm sorry, but that's how it is in reality. And when we team people together, that's my bird, by the way, um, Calypso. When we team people together as leaders or as teachers in the classroom, we have to look for that. And I say that because I don't believe that you can just throw people together. I think relationships have to be grown. And I also believe that certain personalities just aren't better not working together. And I do believe, I used to believe, all the trainings I had as an assistant principal were you make the groups up. And now as a graduate school teacher, uh, professor, I tend to let people pick their own pairs and groups. Something I learned when I got back in evaluation once and somebody said they really got along with the groups that I made for them, but they were not happy that they couldn't pick their own group. And I thought about that from my own perspective and my own feelings as 
being part of professional developments. And yes, it's nice to be mingling with different people, but sometimes you just want to work with the team that you have something in common with because you have goals to to work on. So I kind of let people pick their own groups most of the time in graduate school or their own pairs, unless I see a real need for pairing up. Now, in the K through 12 classroom, this may be slightly different because kids will always pick their friends, but you may consider it for once in a while. So, um, but on an adult level, let's go back to the adult level. Collaboration is important, but people should be able to sort of pick the team that they're on. And this is important in schools. You want to come to work. You want to want to come to work. The leaders have to be aware that this is a very important part of adult motivation. And adult motivation means feeling part of a group. And, and feeling part of a group is finding people that you want to work with. And yes, you can learn to work with whoever you're thrown with, but I find that it's also important to have volunteerism in terms of collaboration. So this has to do with team teaching as well. Um, team teaching, any committees that you might have formed in school, and any practices that you might want to try in school. When two people voluntarily work together or a small group works together, usually there's, there's, there's a sense of uh, mission and purpose, and we really want to bring that back to our collaborative work. So I thank you so much for listening. And the question to walk away with is, why aren't we collaborating well? What can we do about it? And can we apply some of these ideas or your own? And if you have more ideas, it'd be great to share them with your group and share them with me. Or <laughs> Thank you very much, Cultivating Classroom Management.